back to another installment of the Uninformed Gamers. I am one of your hosts. You know me. You love me. I am Darkness Tiger, and you can find me controlling the Twitter page at Uninformed Gamers. I am joined by my two legendary co-hosts. Introducing one. You know him. You love him. He does your reviews. It is introducing Rad Dreams Review. Hey, what up? Rad Dreams here. Welcome back, Ray Mason. And you guys know him as my brother from the same mother. He has been at the top of the leaderboards of some shooting games. He is now streaming on Twitch. You know him as I, Chameleon. Yo, what's up, boys? What's going Quite on? Quite a bit. It's so good to have you guys. We weren't we weren't here last week. No, we weren't. Life. No. <laughs> Life gets in the way so easily. Yes. As, as the quote goes in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. <laughs> so well, true. I wish it would stop. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> life needs to slow down. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But real quick, guys, what have you been up to? Mason, what have you been up to? What's been going on the last week? Uh, well, in terms of um, gaming... Just been dabbling here and there with like quick, quick games. Like I downloaded the uh, that digital Marvel trading card game. I think it's called like Snap or something. Yep, no, exactly. Uh, what you're talking about. Uh, so I downloaded that and been playing that on phone. So that's been been good. Um, it's a bit of an easy game to pick up. Not really challenging at all. Um, not really a lot of strategy. Uh, it's just essentially uh, whichever side has the highest power wins. So, and there's like three different zones in which you can place your cards, and you know they do different effects and stuff. So, essentially, you have to win like two out of the three in order to beat your opponent, and you have to you know coordinate in a way where yours adds up larger than theirs. So, there's some strategy, but overall, it's pretty simplistic. Uh, so it's it's been fun for that in terms of like the simplicity and um, you don't really have to think too much about it. Um, and you know it's free to play, but there is monetization within the game. Obviously, it wouldn't be a phone game without monetization. Uh, yeah. But it seems that it's not quite predatory. Um, it's it doesn't like blast it in your face a lot in terms of like you should buy this now. What kind of monetary things are there? Uh, basically, like cards. Uh, you can uh, buy cards to strengthen your deck, um, but you can also earn these cards through just playing the game straight up, like free to play. It just takes longer. Okay, that's fair. I so you could expedite your process, or you could just play as is, and it just takes a little bit longer. You see, exped- paying to expedite the process, that kind of makes a little bit more sense because, as you say, we're all kind of a little bit on the busy side. Mm-hmm. But I like it that it's not quite predatory. And the, the cards that you can buy, yes, they do strengthen your, your deck, but not so much where it's like pay to win. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, that's been like the main game that I've been playing. And then uh, – I also did one other thing that will be our main story. Nice. Interesting. So what about you guys? Uh, I guess I'll go next. 
Um, yeah, so, man, what have I been playing? Um, I've been playing, actually, the the new Call of Duties campaign. Um, How was that? Because I saw that it got reviewed pretty poorly. I actually like it. Okay, that's good. I actually uh, think it's saw, pretty good. <laughs> I saw on IGN that it got, like, a 6 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, so here's the thing. So, like, I know what I'm getting with, like... Okay. I know what they're going for. Like, okay. So like, um, like it's just like, what do you expect the damn game to be? <laughs> it's yeah. like I get, I get IGN's review. They're going to be pretty, like kind of pretty, pretty critical compared to like someone else. But I actually think it's fantastic. So like the graphics, I don't know if you've seen like screen grabs of the graphics, but the graphics look absolutely like bonkers on there. Um, like there's this there's this video and I'll send it to you guys after this podcast um, where they're literally like walking through um, I think it's uh, Amsterdam yeah Amsterdam and they're like right on like this canal and like literally if the screen if like if the video didn't judder just a little bit you would think you would 100% believe it is 100% real hmm. <laughs> like it looks like that realistic. Um, I, I like the mission so far, uh, it's cool to be able to like control it, like, um, like a drone and like, I don't know, shoot, shoot things and bomb things and cover your, your, your unit. That's pretty cool. Oh, and, very good. Um, it's got still some of those like stealth missions with the ghillie suits, um, and then just balls out like shooting. So it's, it's pretty fun. Hello? It's actually a little more challenging than I thought it would be. Like, I swear to God, I get hit with like two bullets on normal and I go down. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> um, so I've been playing that. Uh, you guys would also like to know that I did I did try um, about an hour of Jade Empire on the uh, Xbox Series X. Oh, shit. So I will say it does hold up. Um, okay. it's, it's, it's graphical style holds up well and in, in on like, like for what they went for back then. It, it held up really well for um for like the current gen like it doesn't it doesn't look it doesn't look like super out of date or anything like that it looks it looks pretty good um so um yeah so I've been, I played that for a while um on top of that man nothing else really um yeah nothing nothing really uh I know you and I played a game. And uh, we both had thoughts and opinions on it. Um, the game was Scorn. Oh, yeah, that. Sorry. Yes, I did play that. And what, um, did, you, what did you think? It was okay. That was my same thing. As I just thought it was simply okay. I got to one of the puzzles, kind of got stumped on, and I'm just like, I don't see a reason to continue. Yeah, so... I I felt like I don't know the game needed like like music you know like background music or something that to, to make you feel like you're like very involved and like um like like interactive with the world and everything or yeah. something because it like until you start like doing things that sometimes you're just running around just trying to figure out what the the hell it's a puzzle game basically listeners and. So for the most part, you're just running around trying to figure out what to do, like how to solve this puzzle. And it's basically in silence. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
And so I felt like it could have used that. Like, their world looks really cool. I'll give them that. It looks very, very cool. It's very gory, very just straight up disgusting. <laughs> um, like, I I got to the second act and um, I got stuck. I, I, I tried. I like... I wouldn't even know what like like I'm sure I could have like Googled someone else doing it, but mm-hmm. like I just was like, no, I think I'm done because if I can't figure this out, because I went around that area like ten times and I I was like, there's nothing left for me to do. I don't know how you get this next section unlocked so that I can so I can continue on. So it was it was okay. If you're if you like puzzles, you'll definitely like that game because that's all it is. Um, but it was okay. Yeah, that was the same thing that I had. Is when I got into it, I didn't even notice there wasn't any sound because I'm just like, oh, this is a game where something is about to pop out. Um, yeah. But the problem was nothing actually popped out. And nope. yes, there yes there are um, things inside the uh, scorn which you can fight. There are actual enemies. They're not a whole lot of them, and it's mostly yeah. just a weird puzzle game. And I made it to the first puzzle and uh, I got stuck. And as I'm like roaming around trying to figure out like, what do I have to do? And I'm like, you know, there's nothing to read. There is no guide. It doesn't tell you what to do. Does this game seem interesting enough for me to continue? And the answer was no. So I think I'm going to be deleting it off my Xbox. Um, yep. Because it's just, I can I see that this game might be for somebody. It's just not for me. Yep. I agree with you. I agree with you completely. It was, it was just not, it wasn't for me at all. Like it was just okay. Yeah. Like I, I totally get it, but I'm not the audience for the game, unfortunately. Nope. But cool, cool atmosphere. Very, very just like creepy, eerie vibes, but like nothing, nothing I would ever play again. Like that, like if they made another one and it was following that same puzzle suit, I wouldn't play it. And I think that's the beauty of game pass because I would never even look in this game's direction. No. Mm-mm. Not but at all. Having, but having Game Pass, I was able to download like Hellblade, the Sinua Saga. That was one where initially I'm like, yeah, it doesn't seem like my type of game. But because of Game Pass, I was able to download it, loved it, and I'm going to be buying the next one. But I don't think I have to because Game Pass. Right. But it is a good opportunity to test. Um, yeah. But outside of Scorn, I have not been doing too much gaming. And the reason being is I'm actually trying to catch up on a bunch of different shows. Fair. So. I finished uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, Ring of Power. Oh, really? Nice. I sure did. I finished it. I sat down. I went through every single episode, and I actually paid attention, was not on my phone. Overall, I think the series is fine. I'm not a Lord of the Rings guy. I always preferred Star Wars a little bit more. Yeah. So for me to hop into the Lord of the Rings realm and watch from beginning to end, I'm like, you know what? I love the environment. The characters seem like, some characters seem enjoyable. Um, the story seems okay, but at, once I got to the very final episode and the, before the credits rolled up, I was like, wow, that took a very long time to get to the point. But then yeah. I remembered it's Lord of the Rings. It takes forever to get anywhere. Yep. It and sure does. It sure does. And that was the problem. And that's why I was just like, it's just an okay series. Um, so I finished that. I finished um, She-Hulk, which... Hands down, I love She-Hulk. I think that's excellent. It's probably one of my favorite Marvel shows because it never comes seriously. Yeah. Speaking of which, I, I completely forgot to mention that, that I binge-watched She-Hulk. What did you think? <laughs> well, with, with, 
is, is it okay? Like, I don't know if we can do spoilers considering it's a show most people can watch. And if you're not going to watch She-Hulk by now, you're probably not going to watch it at all. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you feel like we should do spoilers? No, let's go ahead and not do the spoilers. Let's just kind of just talk about the ending in a general sense. Okay. Overall, I thoroughly enjoyed the ending because it was different from every Marvel type of ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that. And for, for that aspect, I thoroughly appreciated it. It broke the fourth wall. It was very meta. And from that, I enjoyed it because it was so unique. The show never took itself seriously from beginning all the way until the end. And that's what I loved. Hmm. Interesting. So I, I enjoyed that as well, but in a different extent, like I didn't like how it ended, but I enjoyed everything up to that point. Okay. Like, I did enjoy the fourth wall breaking. I, I enjoyed, you know, her character looking at the camera and just, like, calling things out. Yeah. Uh, so I did like that. I just, I don't know. The uh, the uh, the stuff at the end just seemed a little bit too corny for me. But it is Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So it's like, it, 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 I'm, I'm, I feel very conflicted about it. Because no overall, I thought it was a good watch. If you like Marvel stuff and if you like superhero stuff, check it out. It's not a traditional superhero show. Yeah, I will have to say you hit a nail on the head. If you like superhero stuff, it's good. Because if you don't like superhero stuff, this might not be the show for you. Yeah. Because it's a lot of superhero stuff. But I also think I'm getting superhero fatigue. And we'll- yeah, I think <laughs> uh, you you honestly hit the nail on the head right there. I think we've reached a point in just society rather where everybody's just kind of like fed up with superheroes at the moment because it's just like uh once marvel struck gold with iron man like they didn't let up just pump pump the gas pump the gas pump the gas and then like as soon as endgame happened it was like that nice little crescendo and then they're like you know what let's just keep on pumping on that gas but now people are just like, you know what? Can you just like light up a little bit on the gas? Well, everyone and their mom is now a superhero. And yes, I there's just as I, I think I shared with you guys an article that there was like 28 Marvel superhero shows. Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit. There's, there's, a ton. Just, there's just too many and you can't possibly watch them all. But we'll get back to superheroes in a moment. Um, so I watch those two shows, Rings of Power, as well as... Um, she-Hulk. And uh, tonight I will be finishing House of the season of House of Dragons. Nice. Cool. Uh, I think I'm on the last episode as well, so I'll be most likely finishing that with you. Overall, I will say I think that HBO learned their lessons from Game of Thrones. Agreed. And I think House of Dragons is definitely quicker paced than Game of Thrones was. And it's, just... it's definitely going in the proper direction. I definitely agree with the whole quicker pace thing. This isn't so much a spoiler, but the fact that they implement time skips yeah. helps. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily a spoiler, but. No, no, no. Because they know that the actors change. And with the time skips, it kind of just gets rid of all those lull moments where you just need to have filler. Exactly. My only complaint about. Um, how's, and I don't even know if this is really a complaint. I think this might be just a me problem. I do not root for a single character on House of Dragons. 
Oh, me neither. Okay. <laughs> like everybody, the only actually the only person that I really rooted for, and this isn't really spoilers either, but uh, was Viserys. Yeah, because like he seems like the only moder- At least he's trying. Yeah, like he's trying his best. He's trying, you know, best. But outside of him, everybody else is awful, awful person. Yeah, I mean, even Rhaenyra sucks. Uh, Matt Smith's character kind of sucks. I mean, yeah. Everybody's character kind of sucks, but once you... Yeah. <laughs> They're just deplorable human beings that are just like, eh, I'm in it for political gain and power. Yes. Uh, once uh, we finish the season, we'll go back and we'll probably on the next episode talk about more of the character specifics, not really spoilers, but yeah. as to why we dislike these characters. Uh, that sounds good to me. But let's get into our very first topic. And our first topic... Yes is a company that we were actually in discussion to um, actually at one point possibly see about doing just an episode just dedicated to them. The reason being is that this company is so massive that we, and it's so massive and it's such a quiet company that we kind of were like, you know what, let's take the moment, let's do an episode so we can talk specifically about this as a company. And this company is back in the news. The company's name is Tencent, and normally when Tencent's in the news, it's because of a major acquisition. Am I right or wrong? You're right. Tencent has a tendency to buy up gaming studios left and right. Now, for those of you who do not recognize the name Tencent, we've talked about them on the podcast. Tencent is a tech company that is buying up studios left and right. Uh, they basically want to own a good portion of the entire gaming industry as a whole. They were able to, at one point, be valued at, I want to say, about $700 billion, probably almost a trillion dollar company. Now, the reason they had the money was because they were backed by the, at one point, the Chinese government. They were able to kind of go in there, put in a good little coin, and buy in percentages. Mm-hmm. Well... What had happened was, as you guys may be aware, the Chinese market is shifting. Yes, immensely. Without getting into the geopolitics of it all, China is beginning to crack down on some of its industries. It's about time. It is about time. Uh, And one of the industries that China is beginning to crack down on is tech, and specifically within tech, the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. China has been preventing some of its gaming companies from actually making games until the Chinese government can approve it. Yes, that is accurate. And with that being said, when you own a good portion of this and the Chinese government starts to crack down, you're the first one impacted. Oh, yeah. So last year, Tencent was trading in between anywhere from fifty to ninety dollars a share. Ridiculous. Yeah, they were they were definitely up there. So just for comparison's sake, Ford, which is one of the larger auto American auto manufacturers, currently trades for about twelve dollars and eighty three cents, just shy of thirteen dollars. Yes. So Tencent was a very valuable company. Yep. But because the crackdown has started happening. And because the frosty Chinese market, even partially explains Tencent's ever-growing presence of the Western game market, it's been buying up non-Chinese companies just because of this. 
But because they have to wait for the Chinese government, which hasn't approved a game in over a year as of September, those stock prices and those shareholders are getting very nervous. Because the Chinese government has not approved a game in over a year, those share prices for Tencent, one of their largest companies, have begun to fall. Now, generally, when you see a market correction of this sort, it's a couple billions of dollars here, it's a couple billion dollars there. It's generally a pretty predictable slide. Tencent, since this has happened, Tencent has lost $650 billion in market share. That's insane. It's pretty nuts. That is enough to wipe out most companies. Yep. Like, that's how bad this is. Do you think Tencent can recover from this? Do you think that's hard to say? Do you think this is signs of Tencent having a bigger problem and might need to start selling things off? What does this look like from the Tencent perspective? I mean, they definitely need to be worried. Yeah, they've got to be smart. Like when when things like this happen, you have to really be smart with your like your finances and stuff and like because otherwise you'll go under like they had they had a significant cushion and if they're not if they're not careful they're gonna they're gonna be in a weird spot (laughs) we're seeing companies across the world not just in china but also here in the united states where a recession is looming and they're they're tightening their belts to kind of combat this tencent has kind of been doing layoffs have been decreasing their their workforce and have kind of been tightening their budget. But yet Tencent has not yet sold anything. So I think they're probably weathering the storm that might work with the Chinese government to kind of like figure out what's going to be best or see if they can get some traction or some movement. But depending on the direction the Chinese government wants to go, this could be very, very bad. We might actually see Tencent very soon mark our uninformed gamers words because we have a tendency to be pretty right we might be seeing a fire cell from tencent yeah it's definitely possible i like yeah stranger things have happened and i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt this at all no i i wouldn't either and and, and it's kind of shocking to to me that their value has plummeted so much Mm -hmm. yeah so as of right now, the ten cent shares are from again from last year was fifty to uh, ninety dollars. Now down to twenty five bucks. <laughs> Jeez. And as of oh, October twenty twenty two, they they basically they went from basically almost a trillion dollars of a market cap to two hundred fifty billion. That's crazy. So uh, not enough, uh, not not low enough for Microsoft to consider buying, but no, it it is a percentage. It is possible. It is technically possible. <laughs> you are stupid. <laughs> as as you try to block that too. Um, well, that would get, that one would get blocked. There's no way it wouldn't. That one would a hundred percent. Actually, it would de- it would depend, and here's why. <laughs> it will depend on the administration in charge when this took place. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because for a while there, the United States was very anti-China. Yeah. Yes. And I believe it was the question came up with the uh, the app TikTok. Yes. Yeah. Because the the whole argument was like, oh well, they're collecting all of our information. 
Exactly. And but it's just like people still accept the collecting of their information regardless and that and it doesn't even need to be from like Chinese companies. Like TikTok's entire algorithm is based upon you sharing information. So is Facebook, so is Instagram, mm-hmm. so is everything. Exactly. So is YouTube. So is YouTube. So is everything. Everything is about sharing information. Yeah, exactly. Like that's why it's very important. Uh, this isn't like a like a sponsor episode or anything like that, but you got to get a VPN. Speaking yeah. of VPNs, have you guys considered NordVPN? It's one of the services. <laughs> <laughs> You're stupid as shit. We, we just go right into the <laughs> You're so uh, dumb. P.S. Uh, NordVPN, sponsor us. Sponsor us. Uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see this coming out of Tencent. Uh, I, I don't know where this is going to go, but we'll keep our eye on. We'll monitor the situation. For sure. Now, For sure. This past uh, Friday, the uninformed yeah. gamers took a bit of a field trip. Yes, we did. If yes. you follow our Twitter page, at Uninformed Gamers, you might be able to see the picture of all three of us live for the very first time as we went to the movies to see Black Adam. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Now, this was a movie I didn't particularly want to see, but I would see it with you guys. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> I really wanted to see this one. So Yeah, I I, I really wanted to see it. All right. Well, okay. and the fact that I was able to see it with you guys just made it better. Oh yeah, it was Back. a good time. I'm glad we I'm glad we were all get out together. Um so Chris, since you really wanted to see it, why don't you give us your thoughts? I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> um I'm a much more casual like entertainment person, so I like can't give you this like in-depth review it's just that's just not me um but yeah i mean like it was funny it was he was just a he was a murder like machine it was a murder hobo (laughs) basically like it was it had everything you'd want in an action film that you could like want i mean like the the characters i like the characters um the uh the ensuing villain and everything i i thought it was i thought they did a pretty damn good job and when was the last time you had gone to a movie theater before that, Chris? All right. So I I thought about it first, like further. It was Jumanji. Jumanji was the last 100% movie that I have seen in a theater. Oh, wow. The original or the sequel? The sequel. The first of the sequels. Okay, okay, okay. So you, the last time you went was in 2017, five years ago. Yes. Jesus Christ, Chris. I go at least a couple, at least once a month now, even though I don't want to. Nope, not me. No way. <laughs> but, all right, Chris, with that being said, before I move over to Mason, do you think that Black Adam is worth a ticket, and do you think it's worth a rewatch? Yeah, I totally want to buy it and rewatch it. So, yeah. Right. Okay, Mason, let's move over to your thoughts. Yes. Um, overall, I would agree with Chris in that it is a very, very good action film. I I really enjoyed that aspect about it. Um, the my only gripes with it, I guess, were I felt like the kid in the movie, the 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 uh, the mother's child. I forget his character's name, but I felt like he was uh, one of the more weaker performances in the film well he is a kid. um <laughs> what's that he a kid in a superhero movie he had better be the weaker one. Oh, i know I, I, and i understand that 
Um, so that, that was like my only gripe with it really was, uh, you know, I thought that he could have done a better job, but you know, again, he, he's a kid. So <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, um, I enjoyed Pierce Brosnan. I thought that he made a good Dr. Fate. I wanted to see more of him. Same. I want him to get his uh, own movie. <laughs> Because uh, I'm I'm actually a big fan of Doctor Fate as a character. Uh, I've I've watched you know Justice League. I've read the comics, and you know uh, Doctor Fate is one of those characters that's like very powerful. Yeah. And I felt like in this film they didn't utilize his full power to the extent that it could have been. Yeah, that's fair. But I see that. But uh, The Rock did a great job at playing Black Adam. Definitely, uh, you could tell that it was a passion project. And no, it was a passion project. Yeah. Uh, he clearly made this movie for the fans. So it's it's kind of like a movie for the fans by a fan, which was really cool and refreshing to see. Okay, that's fair. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed him. Like Chris said, he was a murder hobo. And I, I liked that it basically <laughs> like, Changed the formula in a way uh, to Marvel, so that was refreshing, and it didn't feel like a DC movie either, which was kind of strange. Yeah, it felt good. Like it, it, it definitely felt different, which was which was good. So I, I don't know. I, I would say like overall, I would give it like a seven point five out of ten. All right. Well, I have thoughts, and I actually wrote my thoughts. Okay. Yeah, that was off the cuff for me. Well, I was going to do off the cuff, but once I started writing, I couldn't stop writing. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. So for the very first ever Uninformed Gamers Field Trip, we went to go see Black Item. To say this movie was a box office success or to be a, a rock size understatement. The weekend Black Adam, this weekend, Black Adam made $67 million, easily besting number two tickets to Paradise with a small sum of $16.5 million. But what you came here to hear was whether the film was any good. If you come in with zero expectations, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. The Rock is watchable at anything, especially when it's a big budget action film. Visually, the film is very impressive, but if you have seen any DC film within the last three years, you would recognize that. As pacing goes for this film, that comes in just over a hair, over two hours. It really gets to the point quickly. But the reason why I felt this movie beat expectations was because it had none. I did not watch any trailers before the film, outside of the announcement trailer. I had not watched any interviews. I never read any spoilers or even story beats. So to see the film was packed full of superheroes with a surprise cameo at the end was a pleasant surprise. But what the biggest letdown was that this is still a DC film. DC has a tendency to introduce a bunch of characters who you've heard of, but give them no real backstory. Why should I care about Adam Smasher's Cyclone if I've never seen them on a big screen before? When I thought this movie was just going to be about Black Adam, it was cool to see new characters that were going to team up. But this problem had the same problem with DC film Justice League. Let's introduce a bunch of low-powered characters, then wait for a godlike tear to show up and save the day. Additional characters did not really add to the plot, and the one that did, the most interesting character of the film, unfortunately will not be utilized well in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I am not telling DC to take a page out of the Marvel's playbook, which, to be honest, is also getting kind of old. What I'm telling DC is to look at its failures and not replicate that success with a big name. This film had the potential to be one of the greatest yet, but those great moments come too far in between for this to really warrant a second watch, let alone a buy. Do I recommend Black Adam? 
only if you come to the film wanting to watch action. That you will get absolutely of. But if you are looking for an in-depth film about social commentary or elaborate plot points or a twist, you're going to head to Rotten Tomatoes for that rotten score. After walking out of theater, I did not believe the hate was deserved, but I also did not think that it was an excellent movie. It was okay, which makes me feel comfortable and confident that Black Adam has earned an uninformed gamer score of three out of five. Okay, so yeah. Because I would agree with that, because that's kind of like a middle of the road, like a 7, 7.5 out of 10, yeah, roughly. It's a middle of the road, because I was like, 2 seems too low, and 4 seems too high. 3 is perfectly average. I thought it was a great action film. I thought it was an okay superhero movie, just like Morbius. I thought it was an okay vampire <laughs> movie. I thought it was a terrible superhero film. <laughs> mm, oh I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, because uh, nobody else has brought that up since the movie came out. Um, no one wanted to watch the movie. <laughs> and then they re-released it back in the theaters. Nobody wanted to watch it. Or the flop again. <laughs> <laughs> People are savage. Um, but no, I thought Black Adam like that when the when the scene when Black Adam was introduced, that action scene that was amazing. I like I was like this guy is here to, to mess stuff up. But then I'm like, all right, well that was fun. Now we get to watch the rest of the movie. Um, <laughs> So overall, is it worth? It does it deserve the hate that it's getting? No, um, nope. Don't think it at all. I think it's a great action. Film. No, I, and I agree with that. It definitely does not de- deserve the hate. No, no, not at all. It's a good action film. If you want to go turn your brain off for two hours and five minutes, go ahead and check out Black Adam. But are you probably going to watch it a second time? Unless you're Chris, probably not. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, baby. Hey. So let's move over to our story. And I think this might be a continuation story. Yes. Uh, Macy, do you want to take care of this one? Because uh, this was this one is uh, this was kind of gross. Yeah, so it has a lot of moving parts to it. Yeah. Um, because initially we kind of took this person's uh, I guess word for it, and then it turns out, okay, maybe she didn't div- divulge all the information. And of course, we're going to speak on the Bayonetta 3 uh, voice acting drama. And that, that's, uh, I think, appropriate to call it that drama. So the original voice actress for Bayonetta goes by the name you know, Helena Taylor. And she released a series of, I think it was like three to four videos on Twitter explaining to the fans you know, why she didn't reprise her role. And you know why she wouldn't be, you know, being seen or heard as the iconic character's voice. And long story short, <clears throat> essentially it boiled down to her being lowballed by Platinum Studios. She claims that she was offered four thousand dollars to voice the role and thought, hey, you know, this is a slap in the face, rightfully so. You know, that's what I thought too. Like, hey, yeah, four thousand dollars is very low that's a slap in the face for such an iconic role like you deserve better so good for you for turning it down and then she proceeded to ask fans to boycott the game and instead of spending the 60 bucks for the game no give it to a charity it's a a good attitude to have you know i was all for it but then we come to find out that maybe she wasn't as truthful as uh she came out to be, which I was a little disappointed in because the video that she released seemed heartfelt and seemed very believable. So I was a little bummed out that uh, she left out some details. Right. So initially, 
Uh, turns out that she was offered $10,000 at first, which, granted, is still very low. Then, you know, when she declined it, she was offered another $5,000 in addition to that to make the total $15,000 to voice, which she also declined because, again, she felt it was too low. Finally, after all of that back-and-forth negotiation, this is where the $4,000 comes in. She was finally offered $4,000 to star in the game just as a cameo. Mm. So that is where the $4,000 comes from. So, I mean, it is unfortunate that she didn't divulge everything about the situation. Should we crucify her for it? No. But, again, she should have been more forthcoming. Uh, but it, it also brings to question a very important uh, dilemma in video games, anime, and cartoons is should voice actors be paid more? Uh, well, what do you guys think? Well, the problem is, is that when you look at how much some voice actors make, so yes. can, we, can we go ahead and say Bayonetta is a very large game? Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Um, it is a very successful franchise on the same level as like Devil May Cry. Yep. Okay, so the guy who played Nico Bellic and Grand Theft Auto 4, the main character of Grand Theft Auto 4. <laughs> yeah, very iconic. Yep, but he was only ever in one game, but you know but you know who he is. Yeah, exactly. He made a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> that's that's good. Damn. <laughs> that's yes. Wow, making that bank. And some people are saying that the voice of Nathan Drake from Uncharted gets paid two hundred thousand. My God. Okay. Uh, so okay, so this brings up another question of sexism too. That could very well be it. Um, I'm trying to see how much female voice because uh, I'm looking at the voice of Laura Croft, but it doesn't say how much she got paid. Um. But there is money to be had in these multi-million dollar games. Oh, 100%. And I, I think that Helena being low-balled initially for that $10,000 clearly indicated to me that Platinum didn't want her and just wanted her to kind of go away. That could very well be it. Um, some people are saying that the voice of Master Chief, Steve Downs, uh, possibly up to a million dollars. My God. <laughs> I didn't think it was that much. But holy shit. So here, here's something uh, to put into perspective as well. Uh, the Harley Quinn animated TV show starring Kaylee Cuco. Yeah. She was paid $900,000 per episode. Yeah, but the reason she was paid $900,000 per episode is... Well, because Big Bang. Because Big Bang, literally. And it's Harley Quinn. Exactly. Um, I don't know who you guys are talking about, but I know Harley Quinn, of course, but I don't know the act actress you're, you're speaking of. You've seen Big Bang Theory, though, right? Nope. Really? Having a clue? Nope. I've, I've never seen Big Bang Theory either because I don't, I don't, I never thought it was funny. Like, <laughs> sorry. That's fair. Yeah. But I know who she is. But she, she pretty much became famous from that. Yeah, gotcha. entirely famous from okay. that. Gotcha, gotcha. So when we're talking about it, if we're talking about these AAA games making a hundred thousand, 
to a million dollars and somebody only offers you 15,000, even though you, even though you initially said it was only 4,000, but if it's up to 15,000, yeah, that's still a bad look, but it doesn't change the fact that you're definitely underpaid. So I think what we can get from the whole Helena Taylor fiasco is uh, voice actors are across the board relatively underpaid and that maybe she should have divulged the entire kind of back and forth process to us, the the public. Yeah, but here's my thing as to why I, I, I can understand why she wouldn't. Now, yeah, I get I get that too. If you say oh, I only made $15,000 for some voice work. Someone is going to say, oh, that's a lot of money, $15,000. I just, I, I don't understand why you're complaining. And, but when you say you only made $4,000, okay, that could be more foreseeable. Because mm-hmm. you know it's on her to justify why everybody else makes $100,000 and why only why she should accept $15,000. So it's, it's, it's obviously difficult. However... She did. It was true. She did not tell the full story, but it, I don't think it really would have mattered because even if she would have told the full story, people would have still have been against her no matter what. Uh, speaking of voice acting, I know this is leading into a tangent, um, but just to kind of like put it into perspective as to how low these people are paid, you have large blockbuster movies like um, Demon Slayer with the Mugen Train, and you also have Jujutsu Kaisen Zero that came out in theaters. Both movies were commercially insanely successful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want you to, without looking, to play a little game for me. How much do you think voice actors were paid for Jujutsu Kaisen Zero? Not the slightest clue. Just throw throw a guess. Um, so like, I know collectively that the voice actors for animes are paid very low for whatever reason. Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna go eight thousand. Okay. Uh, what about you, Devin? Uh, because I don't know anything about this, I'm gonna go eight thousand and one dollar. <laughs> Trash. Well, you uh, you both overshot it. Oh. Um. <laughs> By quite a bit, um, the actors were only paid between one hundred and fifty dollars to three hundred dollars. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, you can make more than driving an Uber. It was really, really bad. I don't know why that's that doesn't even sound legal. <laughs> oh no, it is. Uh, definitely look it up uh, online. Uh, you can definitely see that that's roughly the range. In which the voice actors, you know, did it because they they wanted to work on this because they were passionate about it. And they were like, you know what, I'll just do it. And, you know, if I get paid this little amount, it's fine. Yeah, that that's fairly low. But then when you look in in hindsight with uh, the actress who voices or formerly voiced Bayonetta, $15,000. That is a lot. Yeah, I mean, comparatively. Comparatively, and that's the problem is comparatively. But let's move off this story. I, I hope this situation comes to a positive resolution for everybody involved. Yes, I hope so too. And, you know, I don't know if I'm, I'll play Bayonetta 3, but I'll, I'll probably look up like uh, reviews on it when, when it comes out. I haven't played Bayonetta since they made it exclusive to Nintendo. 
<laughs> I have never played it. <laughs> I think I own it. I mean, the first two are great. First one was great. <laughs> <laughs> I think I own the first one. <laughs> I think it's in my like Xbox library. <laughs> yeah, definitely play the first one. I think it's worth it. Hey, uh, you you guys want some breaking news? Go for it. Sure. Uh, this just came along uh, my feed. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, hate that name. Uh, they have just appointed James Gunn and Peter Safran as co-CEOs of DC Studios. Really? Which is kind of shocking. Like James Gunn is usually affiliated with Marvel. That's why I'm surprised because he made Guardians of the Galaxy. That's kind of crazy. So that's a big move right there. That is a big get. Well, that's that's some good news, I suppose. Bring back the Snyder verse. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so James Gunn also did the uh, Avengers Endgame as well as Infinity War. Yes. Wow, this is this is beautiful. And weirdly enough, he also did. DC's Spain. back, baby. Eh, we'll see. Too soon to tell. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. We definitely haven't seen yet. Um, but let's move over to our topic and let's kind of talk about yes. something that we've mentioned here before, and that was microtransactions. Oh boy, our favorite. For the most part, microtransactions someone could consider fairly harmless. Um, as Mason, you mentioned, microtransactions, the little couple things here, little things over there. Uh, but what happens when the microtransactions become to the point where you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars and you're pressured to spend that thousands and thousands of dollars. This week on Vice, an article was written that titled Game of Thrones Conquest and State of Survival players say they felt addicted and pressured to spend. The particular story they, they mention is how a, a, a teenager was able to rack up over $6,000 in microtransaction charges. The Sheesh. that is not a little bit of money. Now, the reason that they did this was not necessarily because they wanted to get ahead, but because they felt internal pressure to do so. The teenager was interviewed. He said he felt like he had to support his team. He felt responsible to them. Ever since the pandemic, the mobile freemium Game of Thrones Conquest and State of Survival has surged in popularity. The games, which are free to download, are highly social strategy games in which online strangers form codependent teams that become critical to their collective success. State of Survival, for instance, is a zombie apocalypse strategy game in which alliances are critical in order to better tackle challenges together and make sure settlements thrive. At first, players find both the games to be easy and rewarding, even though they don't spend any money, and also quickly form bonds, chatting with the other members of their alliances on Discord and their phone about the game. Deprived of meaning elsewhere during the pandemic, though, players told Motherboard that their games started to consume their lives. As they became increasingly dedicated, the games became increasingly hard to play over time. And in order to further advance, they started to feel the need to make in-app purchases available of packs of items like building materials and armor. While the cost of transactions are as little as 99 they can add up to over time tens of thousands of dollars because of the codependent nature of the game, though players felt pressure to continue paying to play or risk losing their friends and community, the players said. 
It was literally any way you can get money to grow your keep to do it, said one teenage player. Once players proved to be big spenders, customer representatives would check in with them when they didn't, two high spending players said. So basically, once you've gotten reputation for spending money, the customer service of that game would then go ahead and reach out to ask you, why are you not spending more money? This, Literally ridiculous. This feels it predatory. is. Feels predatory in the highest order. Oh, and it is. Obviously, the parents of the teenager are suing, but this is this is the mobile. This is the entire mobile realm right now. Yeah, this that like that's their business model. I, I occasionally I see like ads for those like cool mobile games that you can like play and all the things, and they look fun. There's nice colors and it looks cool, but having this behind it, like oh well, uh, the next time you wish to play, it'll be uh, you have to wait for a couple days, but your team really needs you. Now, mm-hmm. in in particular game, in referring to state of survival, for instance, the lawsuit states that to reach one particular level of the game without making any purchases. It would require close to 16 months of playing two hours each day, 365 days a year. Jesus. Instead of devoting countless hours to progress in the game, players can just simply purchase the packs over time that can quietly add up to $1,400. That that puts uh, Battlefront to shame. It does. Nuts. And this is a moment where we need to take a pause and let people know that this is a actual addiction because people feel pressure. It is. So. Uh, I, I, this is just a very uncomfortable story. Because- it is. It is. Um, and you hear this on, unfortunately all the time in terms of like kids who inadvertently make these purchases when they may not necessarily understand like the gravity behind them. Like a short story that I can share is uh, my wife and I were getting her car done or my car done at this shop. And you know, I, was, I was talking to the owner of it and he was telling me about his son who, who likes to play games. I'm like, oh, what's he into? And he's just like, oh, you know, Fortnite, Genshin Impact. I'm like, OK, cool, cool. He's just like, yeah, man, but it's been stressful. I'm like, oh, why? what's up? And he's just like, yeah, I found out the other day that, like, he he made a $1,000 purchase without my knowing. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. And I'm just like, holy shit. I'm like, what what happened? He's just like, yeah, uh, he, he, he bought these things called V-Bucks. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Oh, yeah. I uh, Our little brother got caught with that, too. Yep. I had to, like, put, like family like uh, what do you call it the locks on the account yeah child locks or whatever it is parental controls on the xbox yeah but yeah i mean it just there's not a lot of protections unless you really go into the settings and prevent it because these mobile companies or, or developers who make the mobile games really want that that money yeah they sure do yeah, but there. But be, I mean, I, be, I I hope that we get legislation. There needs to be some action taken because that's that's a, a true concern, a true problem. That's only going to get worse. It is. It is essentially legalized gambling for for kids. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Now, let's go ahead and give our last story. Since we did a review of Black Adam, we will be doing one final story before we call it a day for you guys. Mason, you're bringing us this story. Tell us about it. Are we talking about... Um, yes. So we're not doing our review, right? Nope, we've, we're going to put the review in the Black Adam segment. Alrighty, cool. Alright, well, then our final story will be a bit of a positive one, at least to me. I thought it was positive. I think it's positive. Very. Yeah. Have you guys noticed as we've gotten older and video games keep on turning out that there's something missing in our game cases? Mm. Art? I've noticed it. Um, When I look around my room, I do not notice... I, I this Back in the day, I used to love game guides. But I don't do that anymore because I can just go online. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm referring to is uh, game manuals. If you notice, anytime you purchase a newer video game, last couple of years, um, the the manual is missing. They they no longer make manuals anymore. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah. Like, um, I'm trying to think, like Elden Ring, for instance, when, when you open up the game case, now, brand new, there's nothing there other than the, the <laughs> game disc. That's funny. <laughs> Which is interesting to me, because when you look at the game cases on the left-hand side, you still see the prongs to hold the manual in place, yet the manual is nowhere to be seen. wonder what the point of that is, then. That's just wasted plastic. Honestly, Chris, yeah. working in the corporate world, sometimes it's just easier to keep it that way. Yep. Maybe it costs them more money to change it. I mean, who knows? But I I know why that game manuals are such an oddity and uh, rarity nowadays. It's it's a cost saving measure, you know. Yeah, because when you when you don't have to print all of that information on those pamphlets and put them in the game discs, it not only cuts down on that printing cost, but it also cuts down on the human cost of putting the manual in the game and then wrapping it up in the shrink wrap. Absolutely. But uh, the question that I think also comes down, are people really, are majority of people really opening those manuals? I am. I mean, I, I loved getting manuals when I was younger. Maybe I'm in the minority. I haven't bought a physical disc in a very long time. Um, yeah, and that's another thing, Chris, yeah. is that the shift to uh, cloud gaming. Yeah. Yep. But uh, the reason why I bring up manuals and uh, the gaming manuals in specifically is we have this one guy. Uh, I'm trying to remember his, his uh, name off the top of my head, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, but he took it upon himself to basically manually do um, high-res scans of PlayStation 2 manuals and submit them to the uh, Congressional Archives website, archive.org, or it's like Mm archival.org. It's like 1,900 different manuals. Well, damn. And he also, um, like doing it as a passion project he's also scanning like ps1 manuals he's scanning super nintendo nintendo sega genesis uh because he he feels like that type of history is being lost to the recesses of time 
And he's not wrong. And it's it's yeah. best to start doing it now before it's too late. Exactly. Because, like, Hugh said in this article on Kotaku that um, these big companies aren't preserving them. So he decided to take it upon himself to do it. Fair enough. But I, I, I think it's a noble cause. I mean, it's a passion project done by one dude. Um, it took him... Uh, I think the article said it took him 22 years and over $40,000 to do this. God. Sorry, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a bit too much for me. <laughs> that's definitely a passion project. <laughs> but I, I respect, I do respect his passion. Yes, absolutely. All right. So good, good work on his part. Good work. And thank you for doing the Lord's work. Yes, for, for real. Do you guys have any final words before we close out for today? Nope. I uh, don't believe so. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for another installment of the Uninformed Gamers podcast. If you like what we do here, be sure to send us a like and a share and a subscribe. And don't, if you don't hesitate to reach out to us at Twitter, at Uninformed Gamers, just to let us know how we're doing. We appreciate the feedback. We love the feedback. We always accept the feedback. I am one of your hosts. You know me as Darkness Tiger uh, on Xbox and Darkness Tiger 2 on the PlayStation 5. If you ever want to race me, just send me a message. Do not send me a friend request without sending me the message, or else I'll think you're weird. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> go ahead and give your sign-offs. Yeah. Uh, wow. I am Chameleon. Uh, you can find me on Twitter most mostly at Chameleon Games. Um, yeah. It's always a pleasure, boys. Yeah, and I've been Mason, also known as Rad Dreams from Rad Dreams Review. You can find me on my YouTube, Rad Dreams Review, or you can find me on Twitter or Twitch at Rad underscore Dreams. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We will catch you next time. Bye. Later. Peace.